and we are live. Hi, and welcome to episode 74 of TLC, Tech Learn Coffee. I am your host, Lisa Nowakowski, and I am a fifth grade teacher in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicotzi, an instructional tech coach in Northwest LA County, also in California. Woohoo! And just as a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got more time than that. No, they don't. And our coffee fact for the day, uh, tradition says that there were no coffee plants outside of Arabia or Africa until the 1600s when an Indian pilgrim named Baba Budan, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, left Mecca with coffee beans fastened to a strap across his abdomen. I guess he just had a coffee belt. And um, he brought his beans back to India. They made their way to Europe and started a new and competitive coffee trade for which I know I at least am very grateful. Me too. Awesome. And tonight's guest, or today's guest, actually is Susan Stewart, and she will be talking to us about, yay, mathematical practices with the young learners. This is so exciting. So Susan, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. So my name is Susan Stewart, and I'm an instructional technology coach in Central California. Uh, before being a technology coach, I was a kindergarten and second grade teacher for 14 years, so my heart is in the primary classroom. Uh, now I support teachers K-12, and uh, I just really love, really love sharing and learning with everyone that I've had the like, absolute benefit to meet. Like, I saw you guys at Q. Oh my gosh, it was so exciting to see you at Q, but I don't think we ever had a, like, there's so many people there. We never got to stop and chat. No, we didn't. No, it's, it, we talked about it on our last episode. It's like a giant family reunion and we just didn't get a chance to, to connect too much with you. Um, but this is really exciting and I love all of the things, of course. I love math and of course I love that you're focusing on the littles and what they're doing. So um, before we begin, I, um, some, people, some of our listeners may not know, what is the idea behind the hashtag K2Can2? Right. So, so much, so much we do with kids and technology, you know, we see that happening in the middle schools and then we see it in the upper grades. But a while back, I started thinking, gosh, you know what? Our young learners can do so many things with technology as well. And that's where that thought came from. K2 can too. They can do this too. They can create and share digitally online and they can do just as many exciting things with technology as our older learners. So uh, as I shared and created, you know, across ELA and the different topics. I was really inspired by two people. One is Amanda Hawes, and then of course, Ed Campos Jr., who are good friends and do a lot with math. And sitting in sessions and listening to them speak, uh, they were talking about the math practice standards, and that really just sparked a passion of my own. How could that look with young learners? Uh, so I just started working with kids like, hey, how can we take the idea of perseverance and bring it into young learners and have them show what they know with math. How can we model with math digitally? So we started smashing together some tools like Seesaw, because that's a great one for making anything visible. And then some of the best uh, resources you can find online for math where kids can make models, uh, share what they know about math, and then, of course, make it visible for the teacher as well as their peers and parents and all of that there. So it's just been this interesting evolution between being inspired by other amazing people and then kind of applying the lens of K2 Cantu, which is where my heart is, 
and then all of the best resources online. And it's just been this beautiful marriage of math rocking all over the place, right? <laughs> That's awesome. And for our listeners, if they want to learn more about the K2 Cantu, we'll have um, that actual hashtag um, on your on our page um, so that they can follow it on the Twitters. Um, God, I love all that stuff. So the mathematical practices are throughout the, uh, the grades. So what do you, you started, you started touching on it, like what it looked, what perseverance looks like in the younger grades, but what do these math, the eight mathematical practices look like in the younger grades for you? So primary grades are all about setting foundations, right? We teach counting and cardinality and base 10 so that they can later do more elaborate things with math. But of course we want to start that solid foundation in number sense. So when we're talking about the math practice standards, we really want to give them some foundations in critical thinking, again, um, modeling. The big one that I've really enjoyed that CISA enables a lot is the idea of um, constructing viable arguments and then critiquing the reasons of others. CISA is such a great place to do that because students can put up one of their models. Uh, one I love to do is the Which One Doesn't Belong series. So I'll post a WODB image on Seesaw ask the students to mark which one they feel doesn't belong somehow, and some of them circle, and some of them draw, and some of them will type, and then explain their why. Why do you think this one doesn't belong? But then to follow through with the practice standard, you know, construct a viable argument, but then critique the reasoning of others, we give them some sentence frames like, I agree with you because, or I also chose that one because, or have you considered, so we give them some ways to give feedback to their peers so they can critique the reasoning of others. So just using that simple tool like Seesaw to give them that place to have that, that discourse between, um, with their peers, so. And I love that you're giving them sentence frames to kind of get them started in the right direction um, instead of, yes, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do love that. Let's see, I have a question. Um, so do you arrange who is going to talk with somebody or who responds to um, each other's or are they open to find somebody who they want to respond to? Oh, that's a really great question because it, it is common that the last person who posted gets a lot of the feedback because they're right at the top of the list, right? That's a really common thing that happens. And then, of course, friends also want to go to their besties and go comment on their besties. So I've set up some rubrics in a few cases where they have to go through someone's post. And it's like, did they answer with a complete sentence? Did they? So at least they have to make sure that before they go heart someone's work or give feedback that the person has actually completed the assignment. And then I also have them look and see if, if, if two people have already responded to this friend, you know, how does that make some other friend who hasn't gotten any feedback better or grow or how does that make them feel and so we, we kind of look to see uh, if other friends have already left feedback for that person and then scroll 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 and find someone who doesn't have feedback yet oh that's a great idea I like the the rubric and and just kind of some of those uh, guidelines of having only two students you know respond and then you know try and find some other friends to respond to mm -hmm. um how are there any other ways that you are you said seesaw is how you're starting to incorporate some of these things are there any other ways that you are incorporating um these mathematical practices into the primary classrooms yeah absolutely so seesaw has been the sharing tool for the most part but in some classes uh we'll do the same thing where we'll go do a wodb or we'll um a lot of, again, modeling with the great free apps at the Math Learning Center at mathlearningcenter.org. Students will build their model. But one thing about sending young learners out to play some 
uh, math manipulative online is we want to have that accountability piece. So Seesaw has been one way for them to take a screenshot, teaching kindergartners and first graders how to take a screenshot on their Chromebook, like it opens the world of collaboration and sharing. So um, some teachers will send the students to one of those websites we mentioned to build their math model. They'll take their screenshot, ka-chink, and then drop it into a, a collaborative slides deck. Like if Seesaw is not the option, they'll still be able to do that, and then they'll learn how to make comments to each other through slides. So it's uh, they don't have the audio option quite as, you know, fluidly as on Seesaw. You have that quick record, but able to do, we're able to do the same thing using Google Slides just by building the model and then putting it into a shared space, like a shared set of slides. I love that you're teaching uh, the K-1s to do screenshots. Um, I've had several discussions with teachers of like, oh, no, that, that just takes too long. I, I can't do it. And, of course, the first time you teach them and the first couple of times, I'm sure it does take a long time. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you are incorporating that into the classroom because how long did it take them to get used to doing a screenshot? Like 15 minutes. Really? <laughs> like, like honestly, because we use Chromebooks, so that does make it easy. It's device dependent. You know, iPads, it's super easy. Kachink, you press the button. Chromebook, it's one button or two buttons or three buttons, depending on how, uh, like, some kids, we, I'm, I'm content. If a kindergartner does a full screen sheet, screenshot and no matter what else is on the screen, the fact that they can capture what's on their screen, the full screen screenshot is control and one button, boom. You know, if we want to get fancy and go crop down to just what we created, you know, it's control shift and another thing. But first graders have no problems doing that. The process of going and plucking that off of the Chromebook is super easy, especially in Seesaw because it's just a series. Kids like routines. Click here, click here. It's the first one on top. It's so simple. But uh, just empowering them with that ability to capture whatever it is they're doing online and share it through the screenshot. Um, yeah, 15 minutes, they got it. Firsties, all over it. Uh, kindergartners, it's a couple more times, but they can do it, um, especially the Chromebook does make it very easy. Uh, Screenshots, K2 can too. Yes, they can. I love that. So, yes, we just need to remember that, you know, it might take a little bit more time in the beginning, but they'll get there. It's okay. So, thank you very much for sharing that. Um, so, why are these mathematical practices, as you've already said, you know, in primary grades, we do the, the we lay the foundation, but why is it important for us to also, you know, teach all of these mathematical practices, you know, being precise and using the right tool? Like, sometimes it doesn't seem like it goes into the primary classroom. So mm -hmm. why is it important for the primaries? Well, so when it comes to math, you know, someone recently laid this out for me and I was like, oh, I never thought about it that way. But, you know, the content we teach, the the numbers, the counting, the fractions, the coins, like the content are the nouns. That's the stuff we teach. But it's important that we also teach kids how to math, right? And I'm using it like that intentionally. We're teaching them how to math. And the practice standards really are the verbs. They are the actions. They are how to do math, how to think math, how to accomplish math. So we can you know, teach about the concepts in the younger grades, but we want to make sure that we're building math mathematicians, right? We want to think math thinking. We want to give them those skills to do the math. And so the math practice standards are a great framework to kind of make those, make sure those steps are accomplished, right? Are they persevering? Are they uh, thinking abstractly and quantitatively? Like, do we give them just numbers? Do we give them opportunities just to kind of compare and contrast and look, look at things? Uh, all of the math practices aren't necessarily age dependent. They really are 
about how to be smart in how you're accomplishing the math. Yes. Um, and so for teachers, and, and this is really applicable to any grade level, um, how are your teachers or how are you encouraging your teachers to make sure that they're hitting the mathematical practices and making sure, like, do you have rubrics for the teachers, uh, checklists or something that your teachers are using? So uh, one of my favorite sessions to do right now is about the math practice standards. And I bring up this super great kid-friendly poster that shows the eight practice standards, you know, it's, it's a nice kid drawing. I have it linked in the show notes. And uh, we'll do an activity, for example, that WODB activity where we create and share and then give each other feedback on Seesaw. And then we'll stop and think about the activity we just accomplished and then align it to which practice standards were evident in that activity. And just sometimes having that extra professional development where we look at something we did in math, an activity, whether it was a worksheet or an online math manipulative and then look at the practice standards and see how many of those standards were used in that lesson. And that WODB that we do, um, you really couldn't find justification for every single one of the math practice standards in that one activity. So just giving teachers an opportunity to have some of those rich activities, ones that are really deep and you know, do encompass all of those practice standards, just builds that awareness. So then when they move on to another math activity, I'm like, oh, this is just some drill and kill practice. There's not a lot of rich math going in there. Maybe I'm going to pass on that one and opt for something that has the opportunities for applying more of the math practice standards. So and you bring up a really good point that so many of the activities that we do in our classrooms go across several of the mathematical practices mm -hmm. um, and that we don't just focus on one that we are hitting several at one time. Absolutely. That's a great point. Um, and so how can our listeners boost uh, their use of the mathematical practices? That's our minute timer. That is the timer. So I would say that just stopping and taking a look at them, um, sometimes I'll sit in a room with 100 or 200, 300 teachers and say, what are the practice standards? And a few little bits of vocabulary, like the word perseverance gets tossed out right away and they'll talk about modeling, but building an awareness, just educate yourself. And even if it is through a kid-friendly poster, sometimes the things I learn are through the kids' content. And like that kid-friendly poster really made it visible and easy for me to see those and just educating yourself on what they are and then of course what they look like. What does that look like in my content with my students? So I have the practice standards, now my content standards, and how can those uh, lay into each other? Great advice. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. This was great. I, I also love math, so it was really good to yeah. see. And and I love your point of the hashtag K2Can2 because really younger students can do so much more if we just ask them to. It's all about yeah. our expectations, right? Right. It's believing that uh, they're able to. We don't have to worry about... Um, the how-to. Once we teach them one time and then give them some opportunities to practice it in meaningful ways, uh, it absolutely, it, it eliminates that bias about what young children can do. There are a lot of biases about what they can do and just setting the bar high. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for coming on and thanks to our listeners for and viewers for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a comment to let us know. And tonight's comment question is, how are you incorporating the eight mathematical practices into your classroom? 
Please join us on Wednesday, April 17th. Our guest will be Sean Thompson, and he will be talking about creativity. So excited to hear about that one, too. We've been trying to connect with him for a while now, and we finally got it settled. So please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about the easy ways that you can innovate in your classroom. If you like the show, and of course you did, um, please rate us and leave a review on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. Please remember we are always looking for guests to share the great things that they are doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill or if you'd like to be our guest, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thank you.